0: Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. So for those of you who have been here the last few weeks, we have been discussing a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. And as I've shared, I hope you've been blessed by it. I know I have in studying And I want to come bring this to a conclusion, but I want to actually camp out a few weeks on this last subject. I was deeply stirred by it this week. I know the Lord has said he wants us to stay here and speak on this and teach in this. And what I want to teach on is the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit. And there is a lot of controversy over these things. (laughs) There's a lot of debate. There's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of abuse that takes place. There's a lot of flesh that can come out. And as a result... Um, there's been a pretty much a a sweeping move that just said, let's just put them to the side. Um, But as we are going to study in the word and see the truth, they are significant and uh, vital to a healthy body for edification and for aiding us in the, the great commission. It's not just a preaching of the gospel. It's also a demonstration of the power of the gospel. And as we're going to see in the word, this is absolutely essential. And so I just want you to know in my heart that I'm aware of the things that take place. I'm aware of the abuses. I'm aware of reasons why people get turned off. But I want you to know that when we look in the word, there is, there is a call to walk in this type of supernatural power. It's actually the normal life for a Christian. And just because there's been abuses doesn't mean we put it aside. We actually have to then more than ever be, be diligent to study the scriptures, to know the truth, so that we can walk in this. The reality is that when Christ formed the church, he didn't form a church and then give the Holy Spirit as a helper. The Spirit, or or I should say the church, was formed by the outpouring of the Spirit. It was at Pentecost where the church started. The manifestations of the Spirit is not a side issue. It's not some secondary thing. It's actually quite significant and incredibly important for our gatherings. I want to, we're going to be looking at a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 1 through 11. You can, you can turn there in your Bibles, but I'm going to ask if we can actually first put on the screen 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 19 to 20. And what I want to speak with you today, we're going to do a few weeks here, and I promise you, I believe the Lord has said there's going to be such a shift in our body just by speaking the truth that we're going to see increased activity of God's movement of his spirit in this place both in this body and then actually as you are living on mission every single day. I know there's a lot of confusion over certain gifts and maybe how they flow. We're going to go through all of these things over these next few weeks. We're going to talk about how Paul said the motivation must always be love or else we're like a noisy gong. (laughs) We're going to go through all of that stuff, and I'm going to do my best to present it right from the Word of God. So it may feel at some points that this is a little bit more heavy on the teaching, but I think we have to because there is so much controversy and so much questions about these things. But I don't want you to take it from my word. I want to look in the Bible and the word of God. Now, let me just read this scripture. Just look on the screen. It's not, uh, I want to share this before we get into our main text. It's in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 19 to 20. And this is what Paul says. Paul says, do not quench the spirit. And how do we do that? He says, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. Very important. Paul says, do not quench the Spirit. Do not stifle the Spirit. Do not put out the Spirit. Do not extinguish the Spirit. How do you do that? By not allowing the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself through the gifts. In particular, he says here, prophecy, but we can apply this across the line. You see, there is such a fear that, and this is, I'm just going to be real, even in myself, there's a fear that if you allow the Holy Spirit to move freely, He's going to mess everything up. He's going to offend people and say, God, I can't trust you to actually move as you want to move because if you do, it's going to just put people off. Do you know that Paul actually said that when we allow the Holy Spirit to move in his gifts, that actually it testifies to the unbelievers that Christ is in our midst? Amen. But I know that there's this fear. And what is it? It's, it's control. We quench the spirit when we try to control our gatherings and say, man, we can't leave room for the Holy Spirit to move. You'll mess it up. Randy Clark, uh, I was listening to a message this week, and he said something. He said, how often do we pray, Holy Spirit, move? And then he comes, and we say, okay, okay, go back to the coffee bar now. (laughs) That's too much. I don't understand that. That takes me out of my comfort zone. And so I want to lead us on a journey of being open to the Spirit. That's what we're going to talk about today, openness to the Holy Spirit. Because in that scripture in 1 Thessalonians, what it's really teaching us and what it really implies and I've experienced this firsthand, is that we would often rather prefer control over renewal. we rather control, I'd rather have everything be just in order, exactly how I want it, rather than allow the Holy Spirit to move as He pleases and cause renewal and revival in hearts. I'd rather have an outward appearance of form but lack the actual power. And so even though things are outwardly going very smoothly, you say, wow, everything's just in order here. The reality is, is inwardly we have rebuked the Holy Spirit. This is very, very dangerous. I, I, and I don't want to cause division all, but I can just tell you in, in meeting with different places, there, there's even teachings of we believe in the gifts, I've been told. We just don't allow them to be, to be uh, practiced publicly. And I said, maybe I'm missing something, but that was deeply grieving to me. How can that be? You know, I just want to share this too. Oftentimes you say, well, isn't there supposed to be order though? So there has to be a measure of control. And absolutely there's order. And we're going to talk about that. But you do need to know one thing. That our understanding of order is very different than God's understanding of order. <laughs> and I shared this briefly at one point but uh, a few weeks back. But in Acts at Pentecost when the Spirit was poured out, you have to picture this scene. Men and women in the upper room. They're praying, seeking the Lord, and the Holy Spirit comes, and it says it was like a rushing wind that came in. And then what they saw would appear to be tongues of fire falling on different heads. Already I'm freaked out <laughs> if we were there. <laughs> and then it says that they began to speak in other tongues, and those around said that they were drunk on wine. There began to be conflict, and Peter had to stand up with the boldness of the Holy Spirit and speak to them. If you actually read this, this is a chaotic scene in the natural, but God knew what he was doing, And if at any point the disciples said, wait a minute, wait a minute, I don't know about any of this in the Old Testament. I haven't seen any of this. Clearly then this can't be of God because I don't understand it. They would have missed this. There has to be an aspect where we just have to trust the Lord at times. We may not understand how he moves every time, but I don't want to miss when God wants to renew something. And if it means for the sake of at times me looking foolish, then I'm getting to a place where I can say, Lord, then do it. (laughs) I'm not there yet, so pray for me but I, I do believe the Lord is going to just really break that open. There's, there's two primary camps when it comes to the gifts. As I told you, I really want to teach, and I want to share this before we jump in. There's what is called sensationist, and then there's continuationist. Now, we would fall into the camp of continuationist, which is that we believe that the gifts are still available. In fact, I don't even like to put it that way because that makes it seem like they're just, again, they're available if they're there. I actually, more than ever, God has stirred in my heart that they're not just available, they're so vital to the edification of the body, to making the invisible visible before us, to know that God is in our midst, and that when we go on mission, they actually help to provide a demonstration of power which makes our witness so much more effective. On the other side, in sensationists, the idea is that the gifts have come to an end when the scriptures were canonized. In other words, when they came into completion, we no longer need the gifts, or at least some of them. There's a lot of reasons for that. We're going to go through the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, which is where a big argument is on that. And we're going to talk through that, but not, not today. Uh, some some uh, of the statements are the pastoral letters, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus. They include no reference of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So clearly, if the pastoral letters don't bring it up, it must not be significant for the church. The problem with that is that the pastoral letters also don't reference the Lord's Supper. Do we practice holy communion? Of course. I hope so. We just did it. Everyone would say that. The absence of that teaching doesn't mean that we can build a theology off of that. We're gonna look through that more, but I, I want to just I want to present this question to you. The needs that the early church was meeting, the human needs they were meeting through God's supernatural intervention, have those needs changed? Do the sick no longer need to be prayed for and healed? those that are bound no longer need to be delivered has the holy spirit gone into retirement has the power of the kingdom gone into recession has the god who has revealed himself in the scriptures from the beginning which means throughout all of history god has revealed himself making it a normative practice to intervene in his creation by supernatural acts of signs and wonders to testify that he is real and that he cares for them, has all of a sudden this God gone silent on us? I think not. And I want to show you in the scriptures that God is just as active as we see in our our Bible. Early church fathers, I I studied the first thousand years of church history. Didn't take me a thousand years. (laughs) Just took me a few weeks in a class. (laughs) but i was diving into this and you look through church history historical documents Justin Martyr Tertullian Origen all of these men have documents of god's supernatural power working through their lives well after the scriptures were canonized i want to read one other scripture with you if you could put it on the screen christy first corinthians chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 i'll share this last one I think this one is important. There's so many we could point to, but because this is in the same portion of Scripture that we're about to read as our main text, it occurs a few chapters before, and this is what Paul says to the church at Corinth. He says this. He says, For in him, meaning in Christ, you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. Listen to this. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you Verse 7, therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He said, you lack no gifts until Christ is revealed. That's not when the scriptures are complete. That is when Christ comes back, the second coming. Which means Paul is saying the gifts are remaining until Christ returns. And what he actually says before that is profound because he says that the gifts are confirming God's testimony of Christ among us. When the gifts manifest and we see God moving, it actually testifies that Jesus is in our midst. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. And again, this is, I'm going to teach through these scriptures so you see it here right in the word. Starting in verse 1, this is what it says. Let me share this, actually. Do you know that Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 that we should earnestly seek the gifts? <laughs> Do you know that? And there's been a, there's, 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 listen, I, and I fell into this trap. If you've been here, you know that we are Christ-centered, Jesus-centered. We want the gift giver above everything. Do you, you think Paul was idolizing gifts when he said that? No, no, Paul knew how important these gifts were for the body and to live on mission with Effectiveness. He was saying earnestly, seriously, sincerely, with conviction, pursue the gifts because they are essential to revealing the Holy Spirit, to building up the body, and to winning the loss to Christ. It's not an idolization of gifts. It's obedience to the word. It's actually obedience to the word. It's for, and it's, I don't do it for myself. We seek the gifts for, for the glory of God and for others to be blessed by it. So here's what he says in, in verse 1 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Let me stop here. Now, concerning, Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth to address several issues that were going on in the church. And every time Paul addresses a new issue, he begins with the phrase, now concerning. So now Paul is making a transition into addressing the spiritual gifts. If you want to do your own study, he's about to go through chapter 12, 13, and 14. are going to address this issue of spiritual gifts. And I encourage you over these next few weeks to camp out here and allow God to move you to other scriptures as he leads. And so he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. This is important. God was speaking to me in this for, for a few reasons. Paul was not saying, I don't want you to be uninformed. In other words, that you, you don't know about the gifts and I want to teach you about them. This was a church that was actually abounding in the gifts. And Paul was saying, I don't want you to be uninformed in that there are issues in this church. And there's even issues of how these are operating. But I am so committed because of how important they are to teach you the right thing. But not only that, what it speaks to, too, is the importance of teaching on the gifts. You see, I think there is such... Um, there is such a, a, a resistance to the gifts of the Holy Spirit because there is such limited knowledge about them. And because we don't know about them, because no one's willing to teach because we don't want anyone to get offended or say, well, this is kind of strange or this is different because this is supernatural, we're just going to put this on the side and not even touch on it. That's not Paul's approach. Paul said, there's issues. I don't want you to be uninformed because it's so important that we work through this. That's why we're going through this series. Paul said, I'm, I'm going to teach on these things. Because when we make when we make that case and say, well, we don't really understand it, I don't get it. No one's taught me about these gifts, so we'll just we won't deal with them. What we're really saying is that this is a side issue. It's really not that important. If they happen, they happen, but other than that, it doesn't matter. But the reality is, is that what Paul is saying is that that this is a very essential matter of the church because it's not just about gifts, it's about God's visitation. You, you have to understand this, this is really important. When, You've experienced here. We've had people speak in tongues and someone interpret. Do you understand that what's actually happening, what what we believe in the scriptures, what it says, is that actually God is visiting us in those moments and speaking to us? Yes, through broken humans, we'll look at that. Yes, through all the stuttering and making mistakes, God speaks. But the reality is is God is moving and speaking. It's a very important thing. And here's what he says in verse 2 and 3. He says that you know that when you were pagans, You were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, why is this important? Because the church at Corinth, they were Greek Gentiles that came out of pagan worship. And during their worship of pagan gods and temples, there was a lot of manifestations as well but not of the spirit of God, of the demonic spirits. And Paul is teaching them as to how you understand one of the ways to know what is real and what is not. And Paul begins to talk about how anyone that flows in the gifts book cannot testify that Christ is Lord, Jesus is Lord, you know something is off. But this is important because, and understandably so, many have avoided the gifts because there has been abuse in this way. And there's a fear that if we allow there to, be, there to be an openness, how can we tell if something's counterfeit? Or how can we tell when there's mistakes and failures made so we'd rather be closed off to it? Now let me just say this. How many of you have ever heard a pastor preach in the flesh? Some of you like every Sunday. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. I hope not. No, but listen, but we've all heard that at some point. You know you've heard someone say, man, that, that's just not sitting right. Now, does that mean that we should put away preaching altogether? Of course not. And just because the gifts at times are used in ways that operate in flesh to glorify self, whatever it may be, does that mean we disregard them completely? Of course not. It would be a tragedy to put off and close ourselves off to the Spirit because of a fear of counterfeit. Basically, what we're doing is we're putting more fear in the counterfeit than we are in God. But I do want to be very clear, though. And I'm just gonna, we're just going to go for it over these next few weeks. And I realize there may be some things that, that uh, are challenging. But there are people that are absolutely fakes and false prophets and flow in the demonic rather than in the name of Christ. You're, absolutely. But what I'm finding is more than ever now, anyone that actually is trying to pursue what God has put in his scriptures and actually trying to walk in a demonstration of the kingdom of God is automatically grouped into this category of fakes, falses, and at the worst case, they're demonic. And I want you to know something. This is what they did to Jesus. Because the religious spirit wants to control. And when Jesus began to walk around manifesting the spirit, the true spirit, as he lived on mission, what did they say? He's a false, he's a blasphemer. And then they finally said, and he operates in the spirit of Beelzebub. They said, he's demonic. I tell you right, right now, if we actually pursue this and are open to this, you must be aware that there will be claims made saying that this is counterfeit, this is false. It's part of the cost. And for the longest time, because I just read things online, I just went, oh my goodness, this must be true. And then I started to read the script and say, wait a minute. Discipleship is more than just the ABCs of salvation. Christ said, follow me. He preached the kingdom and he demonstrated it and he calls us to do the same. And the religious spirit can't stand that, and it actually begins to say, that's demonic. If I can't understand it, it's demonic. Now, is, can that be true? Paul said in that first Thessalonians that we're open, but we must be discerning. Absolutely. But just know right now, there's a move that's just claiming anything that flows in the supernatural must be demonic. And I think what's important in this scripture as well in verse 2 and 3 is that many people avoid the gifts Many people avoid the gifts and moving in God's supernatural manifestation because there's a claim that once you go to this side, you're very weak in your faith. Your faith is not really rooted in the word. It's rooted more in feelings. Now, does that happen? Absolutely. But again, what Paul is testifying here is not a church that is weak in faith. He's actually saying that a true spirit-gifted church is one that is extremely Christ-centered and Christ-exalting. It's actually the complete opposite. He says a spirit-gifted church, this is how you know it's real, is that they are one that says Jesus is Lord. I have such a passion that I really, I want to move in these things, but in a way that is in line with the scriptures. So I understand the things that people say. But what Paul is actually teaching is spirit-gifted communities are Christ-centered communities. When the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost, and Jesus said, wait here for the promise of the Father, do you think the disciples knew what was coming? They had no idea. They weren't seeking some outcome. I have only one thought that they were probably doing. The only thing they knew, they were seeking Christ. They were worshiping Christ. They were praying to Christ. They were Christ-centered and in this place where a body was so focused on Jesus, we see the greatest outpouring of the Spirit. They weren't weak in faith. They were actually firmly rooted in the gospel and in Jesus. So verses, let's read verses 4 through 11. We'll finish it here. Now there are activities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all, In every one. Verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. He begins to list these nine gifts. And to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And to another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And finally, in verse 11, he says, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Verses 4 through 7 give us three descriptions on 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 the gifts of the Spirit. And this is what it says. One, it says that they are services. They provide opportunities to minister to one another. The second is that it says that they are activities or operations of God. Now, this is important because what it's saying is when the Holy Spirit manifests himself, whether it's in his body or while you live on mission, is that it's, it's not you. It's in that moment the Holy Spirit comes and imparts something in that moment that affects some type of miracle. In other words, the manifestation of the Spirit are not permanent possessions. They're actually not something that you really are carrying, although you can steward through intimacy And through hunger and through openness, and you can see more of this activity, but really what happens is God in the moment comes upon you and moves. That's what it's saying, that they're operations of of God. In fact, verse 7 says, to each is given the manifestation. That's present tense, to each is given, which means it's not a past gift that you have. In the moment, God releases something for the present moment. Now, that should get us excited because that means every time we gather together, We are coming as children saying, how will the Holy Spirit move today? Who will he come through? How will he manifest himself? We come with awe and excitement for how he's going to do that. Which means that this community gathering actually becomes an arena for God to display his wonderful works and activity. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. (laughs) To know he wants to move in this type of way and reveal himself. Now the third thing he says, which is really important, is that they're called manifestations. Manifestations. This is so important because what it means is that essentially the invisible is being made visible. The Holy Spirit manifests himself and makes himself real when we allow the gifts to move in our life, whether it's in here or as we are witnessing and sharing the gospel with others outside of here. And so I want to I give you an illustration to demonstrate this. So Pastor Crystal, I'm going to ask you to come up. Go ahead. Dina, Rob, if you can unplug that. We're going to shut the lights off for a second. It's going to get a little crazy. If I know how. You like that? So I want everyone to listen to this. It says it's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I want everyone to lean into this. Do you know that right now, there's an electric current flow going through this building? I wish there was. we could shut every single light off, but this is the best we can do if it was pitch black. Now, I can stand up here and preach all day that there's a flow through this building right now. And I may be able to win you with persuasive words. I may be able to connect the dots enough for you to say, well, that sounds pretty logic, so there must be electric flow going through this place. But there's a greater way where I can demonstrate the fact that there's actual electric current flow moving through this building right now. And that is if the lights were to come on. (laughs) Pastor Crystal, turn the lights back on. You see, once the light comes on, I can preach to you there's electric flow, but once the light comes on, the light is manifesting the fact that there's a flow moving through this building. You see, I can preach to you that Jesus is healer, I can preach to you that he moves in wondrous ways. But when there's a demonstration, now there's no denying it. I can win you with logic and say that he's active in this place, the Holy Spirit, just as with that flow. But when the lights come on, that is a manifestation of the electric flow that we cannot see. Now everyone says, there is electricity in this place. And when we begin to preach the gospel and then demonstrate the gospel as Jesus commanded us, now it's not just a matter of, well, I think this may be true, you have to do something about what you are witnessing. My friends, this is where we're moving as a body, because this is the truth of being a follower of Jesus. This is what the kingdom of God looks like, and this is what he wants. This is what it looks like to advance the kingdom, is that when we go out in the world, just as we saw here, when we begin to preach that Jesus is who he says he is, that then God wants to turn the light on in those moments, Can you imagine if you go up to someone on the streets and how many of you have maybe had this experience and you say, Jesus knows all about you. Jesus loves you. He knows everything you've gone through. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then God gives you a word of knowledge (laughs) and you speak something into their life that they said, what in the world? How did you know that I'm going through that? All of a sudden, the light just came on. I preached the current, but now the light just came on. They said, okay, wait a minute. There's something that I have to do with this. I can run away from this, but the reality is, is now this has confronted me. There was a demonstration of the kingdom now. Listen to this. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus Jesus first demonstrated this. Matthew 4.23. You put that on? Perfect. Matthew 4.23 says this. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. He preached it, and then he demonstrated it. Then he told his disciples in Matthew 10, 7, 8, he says, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Proclaim the gospel. What do he say next? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. I could go through scripture after scripture after scripture that testify to this reality, that the true disciple who's following after Jesus is one who's preaching it and also demonstrating the manifestation of it. And the beauty is God, God wants to do this. God wants to move in this way and in our body. Do you know that in, in the book of Acts, Peter and John heal a lame man at a temple, right? And after they heal him, it says that Peter, everyone comes around. This man had been, they said he'd been uh, sick or, or crippled for 40 years, I believe it says. And so everyone comes around amazed, and it says when Peter saw the, ca- the crowd, he addressed them. He then began to preach the gospel. The demonstration of the power of God led to a platform for him now to preach the gospel as well. This is why we should not be turned off by the gifts. These, these are essential in Christ's ministry and in the disciples' ministry. This is actually meant to be the normal life for us. And then the religious leaders bring Peter and John before them. And they hate the message they're speaking of Christ. But listen to what it says in Acts 4.14. It says this of of the religious leaders. It says, but since they, meaning the leaders, religious leaders, could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. (laughs) They hated the message. They say, I'll refute this all day, but I don't know what to do with this. This man was sick for 40 years, and he's walking now. You know there's places around the world in certain countries where there's such opposition to the gospel that um you it's really tough to even talk to anyone and i just read things in uh the voice of the martyrs and whatnot magazines like this you find out in muslim countries there's just such a resistance that it's hard to even begin to proclaim the gospel but do you know that many muslims are coming to christ (laughs) and do you know how it's happening you know that they're having visions and dreams and that there's a man in white that's appearing to them And they say, I I don't know what to do with the gospel message, but I'm countering Jesus. And this is how they're coming to see him. It's so important. It's so important that we remain open to God moving through us in this way. And as we read through these descriptions, there's two things that are important. Are you guys following me? We're going to close soon. There's divine and human activity. And this is important because on the divine side, this is God moving. It's a supernatural thing that God's doing. God is not taking your natural talent and ability and just simply tweaking it and enhancing it so that you're more effective. right? If it's not because you study the word and have so much knowledge that then God says, okay, I'll give you a word of knowledge. that will just take that a little bit more effective. This is something completely divine that God, that God does. And it doesn't matter if it's something that seems more on the ordinary side or more on the extraordinary side. If it's a gift of the spirit, it's supernatural. Even if you go in 1 Peter 4, it talks about things like generosity. This isn't just like, oh, he's, he's kind and God made him a little bit kinder. These are supernatural acts of generosity, right? People can flow in all these type of, of gifts. But the other side is that there's a human side. And this is encouraging because this means that the manifestations can occur with anyone regardless of their experience or education. So we would often want to dismiss someone and say, no, 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 God can't move through you. But actually the moment born again, the Holy Spirit can speak through anyone. Actually, he could speak, even if you don't know the Lord, he could speak through. Yeah. He could speak through donkeys. He can do any of that. But no matter your experience, God can work through you in this way. But because it's human activity, this is the big thing. It's God working, but we have a choice to yield to it. You can feel the stirring in your heart for God to move through you. But at the end of the day, it's actually our choice to yield to that and allow God to move. But I promise you this, as you're out witnessing or even in this body, the more you allow God to do that, the more you step out and grow, even through mistakes, you will see God will do more and more and more. Verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This teaches us the purpose of the gifts. Not only is it for aiding our mission in the Great Commission, but in this particular context, the primary purpose of the gifts is for the common good good understand this the gifts are not to glorify self the gifts are not to put self on a platform and although there's diversity in the gifts it all reaches towards one common goal it's to edify and build up the body if it's done in a corporate setting or it's to demonstrate god's kingdom for the sake of someone else coming to faith so that's why even though paul says seek the gifts again we don't seek them for selfish reasons We're seeking them so that God can be made known and people can be touched through them. And the last thing I'll share here in verse 7 and 11. Verse 7 says each one, and at the end in verse 11 it says the same thing. It says all, in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Each one. This means that every single person in this room, God wants to work through you. No one is exempt, and I mean that in a good way. In fact, Paul teaches right after this in First Corinthians 12, he goes into using this illustration of a body. And one of the things Paul is teaching us, and this is important, is we have to break the mindset of this American church where we come to gather to be ministered by one person or a few people. That is not the biblical idea of this church. We actually don't look to anyone. We gather together corporately. We look to Jesus, and then we wait for him to manifest through different people, and we actually minister to one another. Yes, there's a place. There's a place for preaching and teaching corporate worship, but there's a place for the other gifts to move. And know this, too. Just because it's for the common good, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's for everyone here. God can give you and release gifts in you as you're at the coffee bar for individual people or for several people. It doesn't mean that it has to be for everyone here. And obviously, if that's the case, size, Lord is talking about this, size actually begins to matter of your gatherings. Because the larger that you get, the, actual, the harder it is to uh, allow everyone to um, engage in ministry, or at least, you know, some people. And one of the things that we're going to do in the fall is discipleship groups where we'll have small group meetings. And this is, there's a lot of purposes. But one, it's going to allow for us to grow in these areas and to edify one another and allow everyone to engage in them. But, but to, to get back to what I was saying, Paul gave an illustration of a physical body to show everyone, everyone is meant to function. And he basically said, just like we have eyes, ears, whatever it may be, so everyone here plays a function. And what he teaches, this is very important, what he teaches is that this body of Christ is more like an organism than an organization. Because an organization's health is based on structure, but an organism's health is based on function. If every member is not functioning, then we're not healthy. In fact, if you were to see me and one of the members of my body is not functioning properly, what would you say? I would be called handicapped. When members are not functioning, allowing God to move through them, we actually become handicapped as a body. And everyone is meant to function. And the last thing he says in verse 11 is that God gives the gifts through the Spirit as the Spirit wills. So even though we earnestly seek, there's a measure of which it's up to God as he wants to do this. We just say, Lord, we're open for you to move. But this trips people up. I want everyone to hear this. This trips people off because we say if it's God's will, then he'll just do it when he wants to. Do you know that it's God's will that none shall perish? Are people perishing? People are perishing. You see, God's will is to apportion these gifts to us. But if we're not open to them, and if we're closed off to God moving like this, sure, we're going to find out and say, well, he's not moving like this in our body. We have to be open to say, Lord, I'm willing for you to move through me. Mark 6.5, Jesus said he couldn't perform any miracles in Nazareth. Why? For the unbelief. He wanted to move, but people were closed off to him moving this way. The last quote I'll share right here is by a man by the name of Clark Pinnock. And he says this, Limited expectations dishonor and diminish, diminish God's freedom to act. Therefore, let God's people be open to the power of the Spirit without restriction. Let us not allow tradition to control our reading of the Bible in ways that silence its message. The Bible is saying one thing, but we allow our traditions to silence it and say, well, that's not in alignment with what I've been brought up in. What does the Bible say? He says, and he says this, let us not restrict what God is wanting to give us. I'm just going to ask, Caesar, can you come on up and play on the guitar? The Spirit, the Spirit, listen to me, the Spirit is seeking instruments that are open to His presence and His power. God is simply seeking vessels that are saying, I'm yielded. Just because we're open doesn't mean there's a guaranteed outcome. We're just saying, God, however you want to move, whatever you want to do, I'm here, Lord. Over these next few weeks, we're going to unpack the actual gifts. I promise you, I think it's going to be so beneficial as we do this. I think there's going to be so many questions answered, and you're going to see things stir. And I, I pray. It's so I'm going to pray before we leave. I'm going to pray just as a body, and then we'll dismiss. I'm going to pray that there's a stirring in your heart this week to seek the gifts. You may have been told, no, no, you can't do that. No, no, no. Paul says seek them. Now you know it's for the benefit of others. And I'm praying, and pray with me this week, that there's a, a shift in our gatherings and in your daily life as you see God moving in supernatural ways. Are you guys following me? Are you guys excited for where we're going we got to remain open the Lord the Lord told me this we have we know we've had a few gifts flow in this body maybe you've experienced in your own life and the Lord said never be satisfied with just some of them you're meant to flow in all of them sometimes we could be satisfied with one or two because there's such a lack in the body right now but God says all of it's available that's our heart that's that's how we that's how we teach here all of it is available So I'm going to just ask that you bow your heads with me for a moment. As we go out and make disciples, we ought to teach them all that you have commanded us. And your word commanded us to go out and to proclaim the good news and then to demonstrate it in power. You proclaimed and commanded us to go and advance your kingdom, Lord. Father, there's people even in this body in our community, in our families that are in need of a demonstration of power. Father, I pray for us as a body. Help us to be open to you, Lord. God, even if it feels like at times we're standing alone, Lord, we look to your scriptures, God. We're not just going off feelings, God. We look to your word and I sense something rising inside of me. It says, this is the way, son. This is what I've made available for you. Jesus, help us not to follow denominational things. Help us to follow you, Jesus. You said, follow me. And I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be stirred this week. To seek after you in ways we've never had. Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, Move upon your people. Move upon me. As we go out into the stores, as we go to our jobs, as we have family gatherings, Lord, may we we be found just inclined towards you, waiting on you. How do you want to manifest yourself here, God? Lord, fill us with the right words and empower us, Lord, to back it up. Jesus, I pray that we would see a shift in our body as we gather. And I pray in our day-to-day life, Lord, we begin to see a shift. Father, we come against a fear of failure. We come against a fear of being out of control. We come against a fear of looking foolish at times. Father, I pray you would help us to continue to, to pursue, to pursue to hunger, Lord. God, teach us how to move in grace as a body. Teach us how to have freedom and accountability here, Lord. Teach us how to really walk in what you've made available. Lord, let us be an example to others to know that, God, this is what it looks like, and this is truth. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-631. 693 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.